Hello, Rich Bolas here, and thank you for downloading this episode of the Dad Mindset Show. Today, I chat with father of three, Jono Richardson. Jono covers many topics, including the impact of good grandparents, trusting that your children will make good decisions, and accepting people for who they are. I hope you enjoy this chat with Jono. Jono Richardson, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's fantastic to actually get together on this because it's been a, a while since we caught up last. So thank you for turning up today. No worries. And um, yeah, I just wanted to kick off with you just giving us a brief description of of your family structure mm-hmm. and what you do, please, Jono. Beautiful. So um, I have three beautiful daughters, um, uh, starting with Amelia, Um You know, she's uh, 14, Isabella, who's seven, and uh, Sophia, who's who's six, uh, all completely different personalities, um, and uh, which is which is great. And my beautiful wife, um, Johanna, and um, uh, she's yeah, she's fantastic. Um, So, been married for uh, just on 16 years, 17 years, um, so a little while. and like most blokes, probably it's around about that. Um, we don't always get it completely right, uh, do we, when it comes to <laughs> dates and times and all that sort of stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, so and I, I'm in the transitional role at the moment, but I'm moving to a role uh, from a chaplaincy, uh, student wellbeing, um, uh uh, volunteer space, vol- you know, gathering volunteers to help out in communities, um, meeting needs, it, it, probably more from a community development model um, side of things uh, within an organisation called Scripture Union who, um, yeah, fantastic group of people um, uh, that I've been really fortunate to work with. And they're moving into a role where I'm going into a, uh, a church leadership role um, leading a community that is pretty well established and is established in the way that they do things, um, which uh, will be really um, a fantastic opportunity to sort of engage in that and see where where the shift might be, where um, change might come, um, and how we can do that together. So um, yeah, so that that's that's that side of that side of things uh, for me. That's what richo life looks like also johnny life looks like at the moment so <laughs> yeah great thanks johnny and can you tell us a bit about you know, your your own father and your upbringing yeah sure so my dad was a um he's a reporter by um by trade grew up in a country space so in charlton uh in victoria um you know uh, used to swap cars every couple of months with his mates, um, was a pilot, um, you know, uh, raced rally cars, um, even raced, um, drove the track at Bathurst. Um, he was that adventurous kind of guy, um, you know, hunting, you know, rabbiting, trapping, all that sort of stuff. And, um, uh, you know, had um, an initial, um, his first relationship um uh, didn't go so well, and um, so yeah, so that was uh, that was probably an interesting part that we didn't really even understand as kids until later on, probably more into being teenagers that Dad was married before Mum. So it was a really intriguing thing for us to 
discover. It wasn't a secret as such, but it was just something that we discovered and understood a bit better. Um, and uh, met my mum in a in a pub uh, in Colac. He was a drunk and um, hadn't been sober for two years as a court reporter um, in Colac, and that was his you know trade that he sort of grew up with and. Um, and, and you know, sixty cigarettes a day, all of that sort of sort of thing. So, and then he meets my mum, who's a Salvation Army officer, um, really sweet, um, uh, caring soul, at completely the opposite of what Dad was. And um, they met, and then after a period of time, um, a, a few weeks, um, he decided that the life he was leading wasn't conducive to anything that was good and so he basically made a decision that he would um, invest in a relationship with God see what that took him and then invested in a relationship with mum and they got married and became Salvation Army officers and and the rest is history in that sort of in that sort of sense um, but that meant so growing up dad was uh, I would say distant from us because he was always focused on the model that he was in was always about others. So it wasn't always about us. So mum was always carrying the heavy load of caring for the kids, being involved in what we would do. So, for example, I played a lot of sport. Dad would have come to in my whole sporting sort of career. He would have taken me to four or five things because there's always somebody else that needed help. Um, Somebody needed a meal dropped off, needed a food pack, needed um, – there was an emergency that they needed to go and do teas and coffees and give blankets and, and all that sort of stuff. So, And I understood that, um, you know, growing up. I don't think I was resentful of that, uh, but I also knew that I wasn't – I was missing something in regards to that. Um, so that, that was an interesting part that has helped shape me as a dad later on in life. Um, particularly when it comes to a, you know, a, um, a, a God role or a, or a church kind of role. Um, it's like anything that you're passionate about. You can allow that to take over every part of what you do. And so the people you actually care about the most can get left behind unintentionally, but they can. That's probably what happened um, with Dad. But then I have great memories of um, chopping wood in growing up in Tassie, um, going into the bush, um, dad with a chainsaw, you know, chopping up, finding all these wood, um, uh, playing hide and seek, pretending to, you know, just sneak up on dad and that he was unaware, uh, that we were, you know, we were coming and, um, going fishing, um, you know, great, great memories that weren't there that often, but when they were, they were good. And so, um, I always felt loved uh, by Dad, um, just not always um, in the centre of his attention. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was something that has probably helped shape me then as a dad. Um, so how, how do you think it shapes what you do now then? So it, it helps shape the priority of my kids in terms of um, – even just time. Um, often we think it's about quality time. And I would say it's a lot of things in regards to parenting and just in life. It's yes and. 
it's always one thing, but it's also, yeah, but it's also this over here. So for me as a dad, it's helped shape me to focus on uh, time helping others is really helpful for my kids to to see me doing that. And just the act of helping somebody else is good for me uh, to be somebody who's about others as well. Um, but the most significant people in my world are my little people and my wife. So if I don't make them a priority and for them to see that, so to see if they see me dropping something that I could go to because um, they're more important, they they feel valued. They feel like I'm, I'm valuing them above um, something that's probably a preference rather than then I, I, it's a work that I have to go and do that. Um, so that that's where I've sort of, I think, with Dad, um, seen the difference. Um, the scale would have been tipped in the other direction. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and made my um, uh, relationship with my wife, for that to be healthy, to be a priority, and for my kids to see us, um, you know, my, my six-year-old at the moment, um, she calls it a smoochy kiss and it's her way of identifying that mums and dads, um, you know, parents, um, you know, when they're in a relationship, you know, there's a smoochy kiss. <laughs> oh, they just did a smoochy kiss, you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Um, we, we get the usual comment of, ah, oh, gross. Oh, yes, yes. It's, it's all of, that's our 14-year-old um, in particular. Um, but, yeah, so you see the things that aren't, aren't as helpful for you as a kid growing up um, and you identify those things and you don't want the, the pendulum to, to tip too far out on those things. Um, sometimes they do. There are seasons where it does, but the, you want to be aware of those things. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a great point, isn't it? The, the pendulum swinging back and forward because I think – you know, we can actually talk about work-life balance a lot, but mm. really it's never balanced. It's, no. it's it's like in flux. Yes. And sort of you lean really far one way and, you know, you there's a sprint in that direction. There's like mm. a family emergency or something. And then it leans back the other way and there's like a really hard work week or something. Mm. And and I think as long as on aggregate it's balancing out, I think that's the... That's yep. the way I look at it. On mm. aggregate, what's what's the balance? Not yep. any particular day, because any particular day, I, I would beat myself up if I was like, oh, oh. I didn't quite nail the the fifty yes. fifty split there. You know? I've I've let them let them down. I think too the um, the idea of balance is 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 unachievable. Um, but I think when you recognise there are certain seasons, and even if that's a season for the kids where we will talk to them about um, if we know there's just going to be a lot of meetings where we're out at night, but it's for this two-week period, um, hey, for the next two weeks, this is what it's going to look like. So, But I'll do things um, like uh, when it comes to bedtime, I'll do a little video on my phone and <laughs> cool. send it through to the kids So, because um, we have a normal bedtime routine, but do that. But I think it's if you understand the season that you're in and you know it's – it's n- it's going to end, um, but this is the season that we're in. Then everyone can be on board with that. Yeah, and you've talked about pre-match talks before, haven't you? Yeah, and and can you go into that a bit more, yeah. please? So um, yeah, so pre-match talks where we'll talk about um, exactly what 
what the week um, what the week will, will look like, where mum and dad um, uh, will be, um, what this will mean for them, uh, who's who's going to pick them up uh, from school, um, and probably how we've we've tried to make that a good experience for them, as opposed to it's a chore that somebody's going to pick them up. But we try and make that um, the you know whether it's Nana or um, Grandma or uh, you know some friends of ours that help us out at times. Um, they love hanging out with you, and this is a great opportunity. But 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 the preparation, if they understand what it's going to look like, and you're constantly talking about it when you need to, don't go too early on it because then they start to worry and think about it. Um, but again, that comes down to different personalities for different kids. Like we've we've talked about before, like all of my girls are so so different. Um, if I prepare the middle child more, uh, better. Yeah, the, the youngest, if I was to tell her too far out, um, I should probably forget about it, then remember it at the wrong time, and it'd be really a really emotional experience, um, you know. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's a different different things for different personalities, but prepare at the right time, not yeah, not too early. I think sometimes we yeah, you got to calibrate that. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> depending on the kids. Yes, very much so. Now, yep. You mentioned earlier normal bedtime routine can you please explain to me what that is and how you get to that oh righto um (laughs) normal because we all have a normal routine we have a basic a basic rhythm i guess is probably a a a way of uh, a better way of sort of saying it where um there are you know normal things you know you get changed in your jammies you you go to the loo um uh brush your teeth all that sort of stuff but for each child it's a different rhythm so um, which again goes to personality, understanding the personality of a child and finding what works for them, not the rigid um, idea of what you think is right because that's going to prepare them for life later on down the track. Um, we have to do things we don't want to do, so this is how it'll be. Um, but so each one of them has a different – some of them uh, like a book um, and so we'll read a book and then we'll – one of them likes us to, to – you know, lay down and we just have a little conversation and, um, you know, a little scratch at the back or, a, you know, back rub and that side of things and that just relaxes her ready for bed. Uh, the middle child is she um, – it's either a book or she might watch a little uh, video that's a story um, and so she she likes that and then we'll just, um, you know, we have this, this thing where it'll be a what's called a, you know, a, a sneaky cuddle where – um, either one of my wife or myself will pick her up and then we'll go and sneak up on the other parent and it'll be, surprise, um, <laughs> you didn't see us coming. And then there's the chase back to the, the room and then that calms, you know, calms, um, it's been a few minutes after that coming down. But that's that's that little routine. She finds comforting. Like that's, that's a really nice thing for her. Um, and our 14-year-old is a 14-year-old and so – who knows um, how that will <laughs> how that will go, um, yeah. you know. So, but she's she's a beautiful girl. But yeah, so yeah, so uh, routine is is different for each one, and I think being flexible enough to change if you need to is the key for us anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. and when you discussed pre match talks before, you mentioned also before meals out as well. So a way of mm-hmm. getting the team on board. Yeah, and just sort of prepping everyone. Yep. We have an expectation that our kids, we always talk about giving best effort. 
Um, so whether it's at school, whether it's new friendships, new experiences, um, give your best effort, um, have a go. And so we will often talk about when we're going out for tea, you know, I don't know, um, uh, I know certainly my wife's family, um, there was that sense of um, if you don't eat what's in front of you, there's the, you know, the destiny. If you got a certain look, you knew that when you got home, oh, okay, we're in, we're in trouble. And for us, it's just talking about um, um, really, it's not so much about being polite, it's about engaging with people in what they have offered us. They have prepared something for us and it's honouring what they have prepared for us, whether it be food or an experience, and that we would at least engage and try something different and so you don't have to eat everything that's in front of you, but you need to try everything. Yeah. So that's you, that's those are the rules of engagement. Are yeah, they? So they are. Yeah. You just have to make an effort and try a little bit of everything, and then you can stop if you don't like yep. it. And we won't apologise for that. With when we're out with people, we we don't feel embarrassed if they then don't eat everything, um, or we have to. You know, we're quite happy to go. Oh, could they just have a sandwich? We got some bread, and <laughs> yeah. they'll make a sandwich and that sort of stuff. Because I think. Um, it's empowering the, the choice, but also empowering the fact that as long as they have tried, they've given us, um, they've actually stepped out and challenged themselves, then I think that's enough. Um, so, yeah, I think that's good. That's great. Mm. <laughs> now, um, can you tell me a bit about alongsiding kids, mm-hmm. especially in the work that you do as well? Yep. So, for me, um, I've worked often in a more of a mentoring sort of space. And what I've found is that when you can engage kids in things that um, they feel safe in and just walk alongside them, uh, you know, um, literally sometimes uh, I would uh, work with kids and I would just walk laps of an oval alongside them. And we would talk and um, just about lots of different things. You know, and if you can work with kids you probably do anything, but um, it's a matter of finding out, you know, commonality, interests, all those sorts of skills that you might have, but it's walking alongside them, not running ahead of them, um, not not being behind them, um, uh, and it's just being prepared to be present with where they're at as opposed um, to I'm not a counsellor in that space, Um uh, so I just want to be present with what they're facing right now. And often most kids just need a safe space that they can actually talk about the things that matter. And they, they just, when they feel safe, it's amazing what just bubbles out um, that they didn't even know was in there. But because you're walking alongside them, you're not over them, you're not using your power that you have as an adult over them, forcing them to share or forcing them to talk. I remember walking with one kid one day when I was working in a school and I walked uh, a, a big football-sized oval. I walked four or five laps of the oval with this particular kid before he even said a word. So my role wasn't to be talking. My role was to be listening and when he was safe, then he started to talk and then he realised, oh, maybe this guy actually is okay, maybe he is safe. And then we walked another couple of laps and he then, you know, everything just um, blurted out of what was going on. But sometimes we're not patient enough to, to hear that. So that's why that alongside and coming alongside, 
with people um, where they're at without an expectation that that they will um, do what you want them to do, um, even if you know it's better for them to share it kind of thing, time is actually a friend. So yeah. allow time to be your friend and don't be anxious in time. So, and I'm, I'm really, um, yeah, I, I've learnt to be patient um, in that space. And it's demonstrating with an action, isn't it? It's not mm. saying, hey, you can tell me anything. It's actually proving that, you know, I'm going to just be here to listen. Yep, absolutely. Yep. And I found that that's, that's fun. And sometimes, you know, it's a, it's an, the action is we're kicking a footy. So sometimes the action is um, kicking a footy, playing basketball. Um, I learned how to coach soccer a little bit uh, because there was a whole bunch of kids that um, – uh, refugee kids that soccer was everything so I I sort of had an understanding of it being a sports head but I didn't really know what I was doing so I had to go and learn a little bit before I'd then go and engage with some of these kids um, so that I could actually uh, alongside and then I allowed them to teach me how to play <laughs> that's cool. and sometimes that's the greatest thing when they can actually they go yeah I'm learning here too bud like we're, we're learning together um, and again that's probably that alongsiding thing that's super empowering for kids mm. in general, isn't it? Especially oh, something yeah. like a sport, to be teaching an adult a sport. Yeah. Must have been great for them. Oh, it was, it was uh, you know, fantastic. And, you know, some of those kids went on to, um, you know, do really well with their, with their sport and that side of things. But, um, again, it was just empowering them. And, yeah, so I can talk lots about that. But I think that, that that's being attentive, listening, um, and um, sometimes it's it's more important what you don't say than what you do say. Yeah. Yeah. So. Who've been some of the role models that you've had in your life regarding parenting? Uh, there's probably um, a few. And ironically, there's probably um, two that um, uh, two grandpas, um, one on my mum's side, one on my dad's side, both of whom I never met. But I've heard the key characteristics of who they were as a person and, and how my parents actually felt about them that have actually helped shape well, me. So it's just the stories. So just the stories. Through. So my mum's uh, grandpa, Grandpa Gardner, uh, loved loved his sport. He was a salvo uh, officer, had been a, a butcher and a whole range of different things in a country town, a Maryborough. Um, uh, Bendigo, that sort of space. And um, the whole community loved him because he just loved his community. He would give, literally give the shirt off his own back. <laughs> he adopted, uh, you know, my uncle. He's adopted. Um, you know, they cared enough um, to to bring another child into their family um, when they realised they couldn't have more kids. And... Um, they gave um, uh, Ken a, a whole life that he maybe wouldn't have otherwise, um, you know, had and this extraordinary love to care for others. Um, and um, it was pretty, uh, it, was, it was a pretty amazing, the, the stories that I've heard of how he encountered really difficult people and he loved them uh, through whatever the circumstance was. Um, and how, then, how would he show up in a situation like that? Uh, so, for example, um, you know, um, 
everyone would come up to him um, like he'd go and do what they always called the pubs and so um, so what that meant was they'd have the money tin and they'd go and shake the money tin they'd have what they call a war cry which is a, like a little um, salvo newspaper type thing and they'd you know if people gave a donation they'd they'd give them a war cry which had you know a whole bunch of stories in it about community about helping community and about people who found a sense of purpose in that um and so he would do that and then but what would always happen is somebody would be down in their luck and they'd just take him off to a you know quiet corner and um oh captain because everyone was called captain even if they weren't a captain but there was just the term that they used um you know oh have you got a fiver you know kind of thing if you got can you help me out i'm you know i'm in a bit of trouble kind of thing and probably to his detriment sometimes he would give over and above um what he kept but he would just um by being present where they were he would discover needs and would meet help them meet those needs that were present right there and so i think the thing for me was he was um meeting them in the space not just um them coming to you and being able to engage in conversation but it was in the 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 space that they were actually in which wasn't a normal space for him to be in a pub drinking all that sort of things as a self officer but yet he would go into that space and be present um with where they were at and so then sometimes that made it easier to have a conversation and for people to approach him because oh you're prepared to come where we are okay <laughs> this is a bit weird but all right this is <laughs> this is good and then my other grandpa uh, grandpa was um, he was a, a newspaper um, uh, editor, owner in Charlton, Victoria. Um, and he was a you know, lay preacher, um, uh, just part of his community, um, would always be um, uh, helpful in the community, um, everything. It, like it was a lot in country towns back then. Everyone supported everybody. You know, from a paper perspective, they would, you know, if there was community advertisements or, you know, things that were going to help the community, that they would promote that, they would get alongside that. Um, but he was, remember there was this one circumstance where, um, and just a simple little thing um, uh, where um, two of my, or one of my aunties, she was recounting this story just, just recently and um, she basically um, manipulated a situation to start her friends overnight, knowing how her father would um, uh, be forced into being it being okay because of the time that they they just decided to to pop up to bed and he said I'd, he'd said that he would come pick him up at um, eight o'clock and so they went to bed early and pretended they were asleep and you know as kids do yeah. and they said I just want to have a sleepover, <laughs> um, you know and she knew that he a community context he wouldn't be able to escape out of bed you're coming home now so the next day he sits down with her and he just has a really reasonable conversation with her and just sort of said um that's not what we agreed to this is what we agreed to and uh, my expectation is that we do what we agreed to next time and it wasn't it wasn't anything profound but it was just like um if you say you're going to do something do it and and that sort of probably stuck with me that he seemed to be that kind of guy. If he said he was going to do something, he would do it. So many stories of my my dad would get into trouble all the time, and um, it would again it came back to that. If you say you're going to do something, mate, 
we do it. Um, he saw things through. He followed uh, followed up on the things that he said we do. He's a man of um, of integrity um, and character in that sense. And so for me, that's, that's something that I've sort of grabbed a hold of, um, respected in the community, not for himself, um, but just because of the man that he was, the dad that he was. So I think those things are they're important. Um, and I had I had one formative experience. I wouldn't say he's, he's a hero necessarily, but I remember talking to a dad once because I've got three girls. And often, I don't know if anyone's seen the um, that movie Bad Boys. Um, uh, the Will Smith one? Yeah, yeah, the Will Smith one. <laughs> and, you know, where, where Reggie comes to the door and he's going to take out uh, the daughter and um, he come, pretends that he's, you know, drunk and he's got a gun and he's just waving it in his face. He's just trying to intimidate this kid flat out. And this kid's been so respectful and calling him sir and he's, you can just see he's just freaking out. <laughs> and then Will Smith comes in and they're just playing the game on this kid and then the mum just comes and said, oh, Reggie, darling, you know, you're fine. Take her out but have a book back with this time. And, um, you know, and, and it was that sort of thing. And I think that's the sort of language that we talk you know, when it comes, you know, I have a shotgun at the door if you hurt my daughter and, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I remember driving the car. I picked up this this guy from the airport and I knew I had a daughter and one of them had started to date. And um, the other one, he had a daughter of similar age to, to mine. I said, how do you navigate? Uh, you know, that it came up in conversation. Um, you know, do you have a shotgun at your door, ready to go kind of thing with two girls? And thought it was a, I thought it was funny at the time. And he just... He just looked at me, he goes, I think often, he, he goes, for me, I used to think like that. And then I realized it was actually disempowering my daughter. It actually devalued men. And so um, if I don't trust all the things that I've placed um, in my daughter uh, to make good decisions um, by saying I've got a shotgun, that's actually what that does. It actually says to her that everything that I've put in you as a male and as a dad to make a good choice when it comes to a partner, um, uh, whatever that might look like, that the, the principles of what, a, how you find a good partner, then, I mean, who they are, I think you've probably, um, you probably missed the point. Do you either trust what you're investing in your children for them to make good choices? So now my language is with my daughters, when it comes to that, I go, uh, I, um, I'll say to them, uh, you're going to make a great decision when it comes to, you know, finding a partner. Um, uh, you make good decisions already um, and um, uh, men are great. And um, and my, I, I want to example to them what it means to find um, somebody that, you know, hopefully has good integrity, um, cares for their family, um, you know, can work hard, um, can care for each other, can be vulnerable, um, you know. And so I, I really empower that those my girls will make good choices when it comes to that. I don't talk about a shotgun anymore. I don't talk about um, any of that sort of thing. So that was a formative thing for me because having three girls, you know, everyone's, you know, I lock them up, you know, kind of thing. No, nah, out you go. And there were moments where I still go, Oh geez, I'm freaked out <laughs> at the moment by releasing them. Yeah, uh, particularly you know as they get older, but I just trust that they'll make good decisions because everything they've done so far has shown me that they actually do. Yeah. So why wouldn't that's, I trust? That's it? That's so empowering. That's great to hear, Jono. Because yeah. 
It is such a common phrase, isn't it? You know, when you have daughters. I, I had the same situation mm. where I was a member of the surf club and I told all the guys, hey, we've just had a yeah, a daughter. Mm. And the first comment of one of the guys was, oh, yeah, better get a shotgun. Yeah. And, and I sort of just, you know, accepted it at the time. Yes. And I mentioned it to someone else. And he was like, whoa, well, you know, you could look at it like that. But what if your daughter actually wants to date that guy yeah. and you know you're to- totally taking the power away from her that's right and and it was it's such a good reframe but i love the approach you have mm. of like telling her mm. no i totally trust you to make good decisions mm. you know and i suppose you only learn by making bad decisions as well but if it's Absolutely. if you have the power to you're you have the agency over that mm. That's so much more empowering in general isn't it mm. that's such a great approach i'm yeah. totally totally gonna try that absolutely yeah now you talked about your grandparents earlier, were your grandfathers. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a bit about Grandparents' Day? Because you touched on this when we were having coffee earlier, and I love this concept. Uh, yeah, so there's an international day for everything, Yeah, right? And um, But I guess um, my thoughts around this, that um, there's in part of my new role, um, there's a child kissing nearby, and, and just talking about that, that idea that, you know, you have grandparents' day where you know um, grandparents come in, but often, you know, kids they, you know, they don't have grandparents. They don't have somebody who can actually come on that day. And the context in which we're in at the moment, there's quite a number of uh, you know seniors um, as part of our community, and sort of go, well, can we loan you some of our grandparents who would love to come <laughs> in and on grandparents' day and be those grey-haired you know, nomads who will engage um, with those kids that maybe they don't have that. Um, some of them, you know, grandparents might be still living overseas and, um, you know, it's really um, difficult. Um, we had a situation where um, we did a what was called, um, you know, guess who's coming to dinner and, and the whole idea was to try and engage um, more senior um, people and, you know, young families and um, young adults, you know, 18s to, to 25s, 30s, whatever, that sort of age group, and to engage them together having food um, and putting them in a space where they wouldn't normally engage um, in. So, um, so you came, you brought something to share and that you would come and have food, uh, food together. And there was this one family that had moved from uh, Sri Lanka and we, um, all the grandparents were over back home in, in Sri Lanka and um, no chance at that point for them to come for, for a little while. And um, so we set it up and so we had this beautiful, beautiful older lady um, and um, set them up. Um, and in the end, some other people that were supposed to come didn't come. And it was just this older lady in the family that had two kids. And they just got on really well. And this um, uh, this mum um, and dad realised that they needed, um, they needed a grandparent figure in their kids' lives. And so they adopted her. And so as a result of that connection and of food and and um, playing some games and engaging in that way, she comes over every uh, every fortnight for tea, um, and they just have this beautiful connection and relationship. Um, so, you know, we we need uh, because I would say that um, you know more that more senior, you know, uh, sixty five seventy plus, 
they won't impose themselves on, say, for my generation and uh, your generation and maybe even one slightly younger with kids, they won't impose themselves on them to engage in that. Um, they need to be asked because that's yeah. the generation they come from. That's right. And whereas for us, we go and they, they assume that we don't want them in their lives, but we go, please, can we, <laughs> like, can we have some help? We would love for you to come in. And what is, what's worked for you? Like I, I think there's this idea that, that we want to do it on our own and I, I, that really doesn't mash with me with that village concept that it takes a village to do life. Um, and I've found that when we actually ask, would you, would you come into my home? Could you help me with this? Um, I, I've found that that's been such a beautiful thing and that's why Grandparents Day and engaging with kinders and, and whatever and having that support is just so invaluable and it creates these beautiful connections and relationships that you otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah, and, and on all levels. So it's, it's amazing for the kids. It's mm. amazing for the, the, um, the pensioners mm. and, and it's amazing for, for us as parents in the middle as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, yeah. I, I heard a story, of, I can't remember which country it is, where it's really popular to have childcare centers next to old people's homes yep. and they often have like reading sessions and so on yes. where the you know the pensioners come in and they sit next to a, a child each yes. so the children are getting one-to-one you know full attention reading a book which is way better than a 125th attention oh. of a teacher or whatever it is brilliant so i yeah. love that <laughs> now, yeah. um, can you actually talk a bit to the challenging ideas that we discussed earlier so, in regards to, sorry, be specific on that, sorry. Yeah, so I, I think in your role as well, um, you often, you're sort of, you're, you're branching out a bit, aren't you, into mm. a new sort of um, scope, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you think the opportunities are for, it was the story you told about the, the lady. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, about Tina, yeah. That's okay. right, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I was sort of... Um, it was a formative experience where, um, you know, I was in um, uh, leading in a in a local youth group in a church, and we went up to visit this other um, youth group. We did a sort of combined thing. The two leaders at the time were, you know, pretty well connected, and so we thought, oh, why don't we bring them all together and it'll be it'll be fun. But we also did a, a bit of a leaders sort of session. Art, um, I think it was beforehand, and then the kids had come up earlier, uh, and she told a story of. A friend of hers who um, basically shared um, they were they were really close friends and said um, is this really profound question um, to her if I never um, and you know often you hear that term uh, from a faith perspective born again if I never become born again if I never become what you are you know that Christian person will you still be my friend if for the rest of my life, I never actually make any sort of commitment or even move towards anything like that. Is our friendship enough? Do you have, essentially what she's saying is, do you have an agenda um, in this friendship? Is that why you're friends with me? So that I would believe what you believe. And it was this challenging conversation that she had to go away from going, is that my hope for my friend? Absolutely. But is that is that everything... Um, my friendship with her is is so important to me that she is such a good friend, and there's a there's a um, there's a sense of uh, you both bring something really special, and that that's okay. It can be that, um, 
Uh, and so, um, and that was really formative for me because I think it goes to a gender. Um, and as a parent, we have agendas. Um, That's what you I know. really want to talk to as well. Yeah. It comes across so much, doesn't it? And obviously we don't want to show up with an agenda because mm. kids, it, it disempowers them, but also they can smell it a mile off as well. Absolutely. If you... Uh, and I guess that's that's the hard part um, when it comes to uh, even belief systems that we have around lots of different things. Um, you could you could extrapolate that, pull it out to um, say a sporting family, you know, um, a parent or parents who are really sporty, um, involved in the local footy club, and you know, um, there's an expectation that the kids do all the sport. You know, and that they'll be just as good as mum and dad, you know, were or, you know, you think of the local footy legend, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and that idea that we have that agenda, they'll be playing footy whether they like it or not. Um, it's exactly the same thing when it comes to um, different faith uh, faith um, or different belief systems. And so we can do the same thing. And so for us, whilst this is what we do as a family, we, we, um, faith is a huge part of our, our lives. We have to live our lives and have conversations and example things in such a way that our kids have a level of freedom in the choices that they make. And whilst we have a hope, I'm a parent who loves their kids and I love my daughters um, with a whole heart. And um, I want to create space for them to explore um, what faith might mean for them. And I want to example something that I think has been so valuable and so important to me. Um, and it has such, uh, for me, an eternal value. But um, our kids need to discover it for themselves. They need to discover and challenge ideas, challenge belief systems. Why? And if they have a freedom to challenge that, um, that they don't have to do certain things, then I think that that's a really healthy way and space to actually allow kids to grow up in. And it's a, Well, actually, yeah. can I jump in here? Because yeah. I, I think it's a really important thing because I find it very digital. Mm-hmm. It's it, What's the word I'm looking for? Very... Um, where, where it's either one th- completely mm. one thing or yes. completely the other. Yep. There's a really good word that describes yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. But um, I, it, it really opens the door to keeping, you know, building more community, doesn't it? Because there's mm-hmm. more sort of tolerance for other ideas yep. and, and bringing people together in an inclusive manner that yes. way. And I've heard so many stories of friends that have gone, I was brought up in this way. And it didn't jive with me. Mm. And so I completely left, oh, even completely like to the extent of leaving the, the family. Yes. And it must be devastating for the families when that happens. Mm. And it, it seems like they, they, there must be a way of still, you know, just loving someone for who they are. Mm. And, and okay, they, they didn't come along for the ride yet, maybe. Mm. It would be great if they did. But for now, we're just going to love them for mm. all we can. Yeah. It's the tension of difference. And how we allow difference to be something that empowers us and grows us rather than pulls us apart and pushes us um, in opposite directions. Um, how, do we, how do we allow the tension of our differences be something that can actually help us grow? And so that's probably something in regards to, um, you know, even faith um, that, that is a really interesting aspect for me. How do we come alongside people, uh, love and care for them first, um, uh, then 
then sort of want to tell them how to live their life, tell them what to believe, tell them what to think. Um, and again, that's the thing with your own kids. You know, do you want to be a teller um, or do you want to be a storyteller? Yeah. And allow your life to be the story that they they see, imperfect um, and good um, and horrible and I'm so sorry I did that um, <laughs> with that, the best, as a parent with the best, yeah, intentions, with the best intentions you know um, the amount of times where I've gone to my girls and sort of said I'm so sorry daddy um, yelled at you or daddy didn't listen to you you were just trying you have my full attention the TV is off the football is not on whatever it might be um, uh, what is it that you want to talk about and then Often it'll be the, oh, it's gone now kind of thing. I go, well, come on, let's go for a walk or let's, um, what do you want to do? You want to play? And then it's in that they go, oh, what I was wanting to say before was, and it comes out when you are prepared to disengage from your adulting. Yeah. And but not and just say that you're disengaging, you actually demonstrate it. And I yes. think that's such yeah. an important yeah. point because I, I've been guilty of saying, hey, look, you've got my complete attention now. And as soon as they say, no, no, it's not important, you know, don't need to talk about it, I totally go off and go, oh, great, I can get back to the thing yeah. I was doing before. Because I've ticked the box yeah, of saying that yeah. I, I've, you, I've turned everything else off for them that and moment. And that just sends yeah. the wrong signal. Like, I love what you've done mm. there where you sit with it and go, no, no, let's, let's go do something then. Mm. And that's just exemplifying exactly what you you're saying it, it, yeah, it's backing mm. up your words with your actions which yeah. i think i totally need to get better at oh i think it's all and that idea of um not i apologize if no 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 um we're good at saying i apologize if that's hurt you um the reality is the person your child whatever that situation might be they are hurt so you have hurt them, whether it's intentional or not. It's not about you in that moment. It's actually about the other person. Yeah. I'm sorry that you feel wounded, um, that you are wounded by what I've said on my actions. Um, I apologize for that. I'm sorry that you are wounded in that space. Um, how can I make this right? Um, you know, and so that, and that again with the kids, I think that that's for them to be able to say, um, I'm sorry to their friends. Um, to say, um, you know, we've had our kids go, I'm really sorry I did that, mum. Um, you know, because it because we're prepared to do that. Um, and it, sometimes it's coming down from the adulting power that you hold, um, the parenting power that you hold um, to allow that to be uh, a, a more real. Um, that's of so much more value when... And the way that they look at you, like it just breaks you kind of thing when you realize, oh, I've just wounded my kid. Yeah. Um, but then they say, it's okay, daddy. It's all right. Do you want to play? They, <laughs> they're so forgiving. Um, do you want to go to – and then that's the moment where I go, absolutely. How <laughs> That would be great. I'd love to do that with you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's a really important important part, yeah. I had the um, the quote yesterday that we only have to show up in a good light as parents 30 to 40% of the time to help build well-rounded children. I was like, well, a, oh, sheesh, it's yeah. that high, is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a tough <laughs> a tough bar to, to hit because yeah. uh, it, it's not the easiest thing in the world. And that's why it probably has to be about uh, just how you... You're a work in progress. Yeah, parents that's right. in, Parents in progress. Yeah. P- 
parents in progress. It's a yeah. great <laughs> age. It's a name for something, yeah. isn't it? No, that's, the, that's yeah. exactly the way I think yeah. of it. Um, and I think um, we talked about the, well, we touched on the power of story as well. Mm-hmm. Do you have any sort of, what are the particular wins that you've had as a parent? Uh, I would say that the, the biggest win that I've had as a parent is um, uh, probably two things. Saying sorry when I've um, got it wrong because there are all things that we do as parents where we react in the moment because of all the stuff. You know, my, my, my sister calls it all the things. <laughs> and it kind of is that. It's all the things sometimes just – and you don't even mean to and you lash out – these little people and, you, you know, um, and they're, they're often the ones that can't, you know, defend themselves or then they start, if it keeps on going, then they'll start lashing out at you or resentful of you, all that side of things. Um, so that, that idea of when I make a mistake, when I do something that hurts or wounds my, my child, uh, me and my wife were very intentional about saying, I'm sorry that I hurt you. Um, what can we do to make it right? And sometimes it's not the actual words, what we can do to make it right. Um, it's a, what do you want to do now? Yeah. that uh, Giving them in their own framework um, to say, well, let's do this then because then now I've got you. I've got my you know, attention. You've been vulnerable with me, um, you know, and then we can do something together that suits whatever that particular child's needs are in that moment. So I think... You know that that side of the power of um, being real and vulnerable is is really really um, important, um, and I think uh, probably uh, that idea of um, consistency is is really really helpful for me. Uh, consistency is what it, it breeds what what will be present in your kids. So if you are consistently someone who, um, you know, uh, doesn't follow through on um, boundaries, uh, then the reality is kids uh, know that's, you know, um, you talk about um, kids can smell it a mile away. It's like when you've got a, a relief teacher at school, like if they're <laughs> even slightly uncomfortable. Blood in the water. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's like, like I was I – was, Oh, terrible. Uh, we would we would actively so the only time where every kid in the room will work together <laughs> to, you know, make a relief kitchen if they cry, Against which is terrible. Yeah, they a walk out of the room in a half. Yeah, everyone's like, Woo, we got it. Um kind of thing. <laughs> kids are brutal. But they are. Um but consistency um in behaviour and um talk to them. Um tell them why. Um you know, in the, the way that they need to hear it. Each personality is different, but uh, consistency is really important because that is what breeds um, wh- how kids will actually do their adulting and do their life, um, make decisions, um, make good choices or, you know, into it, good choices or bad choices, but we'll make the choices that they make will form from the consistency that we give um, them good, bad, indifferent Um you know, so I think for us, uh, whether we're out, whether we're in, if there's a boundary that we believe that's really important for our kids to adhere to that boundary, it's not about any other family. It's not about any other kid. It's about our kids and their, their expectation that they understand, hey, that's something that as a family 
this is this is a boundary that we have and yeah we're going to talk about if that boundary um if you leap over the which kids do our youngest will leap over the boundary um often say that the, <laughs> she believes the rules are for all the other kids um <laughs> you know kind of thing she's a little bit like more like a father unfortunately <laughs> no or fortunately um you know so um yeah that that consistency i think is is really important and just that sense of you know whenever i talk about alongside i always it's funny, I always naturally find myself putting my arm around, like I've got my arm around someone's shoulder um, and just walking with them at the pace that they, they're they walking. Yeah. Not rushing ahead, not trying to move them faster by walking a bit faster with them as you <laughs> shepherd them, them along. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, yeah, so I think those things are, are really valuable and important. Johnny, thanks for that. No this whole conversation has been wonderful. I think it's mm. a, a great place to wrap it up there. Mm. But um, is there anywhere that people can reach out to you at the moment? Or yeah, can people get in um, touch? Yeah, so, you know, um, uh, we've just taken on a role at uh, Warm Ponds Community Church and um, really uh, trying to build that, that sense of um, safe community uh, for people to, you know, um, I guess to not be um, often... Uh, there's certain spaces that um, it can be wrong. Um, you can be wrong before you even walk through the door. Um, you're looked at as what, how you live your life or who you are is wrong um, because of a certain set of beliefs. And, and um, I guess for us as a community, we want to be that, uh, that, that church community that embraces people for where they're at and um, does that journey of alongsiding people and, and quite legitimately loving people and not being tellers of what they should live and how they should live, but to do it in community, um, that village working together, um, I think is a really, really important thing. And I think that's the way that um, Jesus wants us to live um, my life. He was always dealing with the people that, uh, you know, uh, that didn't necessarily have it um, all all together. Um, he met people where they're at and he asked them, what can I do for you? How can I help? And I guess that's our motto um, that we, we love is how can I help? And so that's, um, you can, you know, we've got our website, which is not great at the moment. We'll, we'll work on that. Um, but um, yeah, you can catch us on our, our website, our Warm Ponds Community Church, Facebook, um, you, can, uh, you know, all the, all the new normal social media uh, avenues you can, you can contact. But um, yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, to just to hang out and just chat about stuff that we actually care about, isn't it? You know, like being good dads, um, good parents is just uh, the more you talk about it, the more you can put in place to actually um, collaboratively work together just to support each other in what is the hardest role that you'll ever do in your entire life. Yeah. And I agree with you, the power of stories, because I certainly learn by hearing your stories. Mm. I'm like, yeah, oh, that that sinks in now. (laughs) I've got that. Whereas... The, it's the unsolicited advice that you know <laughs> usually bounces straight off me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but, absolutely. But when someone tells me a story, it just makes yeah. such a gains such a foothold. Yeah. So yeah, John, beautiful. Thanks so much. No worries, mate. It's been great to hang out. Thanks ever so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jono as much as I did. If you want to reach out to him, I've put a link in the show notes at thedadmindset.com. Well, that's all from me. I hope you stay safe and sane, and until next time, enjoy your caffeinated beverage. <laughs>